Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Brent Lenentine. Uh, series that we started right at the very beginning of the year. So turn, if you would, now to Acts in chapter number 14. Acts in chapter 14. In order to get us started, and I think that we have uh, a screen for that, and so we'll put that up there so that you'll be able to see that. Uh, If you'll turn there to that place in Acts chapter 14 and in verse number 19. So the theme specifically has been the matter of declaring the gospel. Declaring the gospel. Now, I think that most every saved person understands that that's an important thing. But I think also that all of us need uh, some instruction and some encouragement and some help in order for us to be more and more a part of this work that God has called for us to do. And truly it's an amazing work, truly it is a a supernatural work, a great work of God that is needed so much uh, today, more than um, in any time, uh, I believe, before because we're coming closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. For all that are able to, if you would stand, let's read some verses here uh, in our text, as you'll see on the screen there, in Acts chapter 14, and then in verse number 19. Acts 14, and then in verse number 19. The Bible tells us now in verse 19, it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Howbeit the disciples stood round about him, and he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and, uh, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray that you should bless us in these few moments and help us and lead us now just through this message. Just, uh, just give us some truths from your word. Help us now, we pray. We'd ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated all over. As we look at this now, this is really kind of a crazy passage, kind of a crazy chapter. If we go back in verse number 8 and start forward from there, Paul comes into a place that is called Lystra. So Paul is going here on a missionary journey. And he's doing what he always did, and he's going from city to city to city, telling them about Jesus Christ and trying to help them to get saved and then to be growing in the Lord. So as Paul comes to Lystra, there was an individual person that really stood out. Uh, The Bible tells us, starting in verse 8 and coming down, that he was paralyzed, that he could not walk. In fact, from his birth forward, he was not able to walk. So because of this condition, no doubt, every person in Lystra knew who this 
paralyzed man was. Because without being able to walk, he was not able to work a job and to earn a living for himself. So he would have to sit there and beg money from others in order to be able to provide a living for himself uh, and maybe others uh, as a part of his family also. And so as Paul comes by and sees him, he discerns that this man that is paralyzed has a faith in God, has, if you would, a greater desire to know God. And so Paul just hollers out, he just screams out, and he says, stand upright on thy feet. Now, lots of people heard that, not just the paralyzed man, but everybody that was around him. It was really a great step of faith on Paul's part, because if you'd imagine, he really kind of committed himself when he called on God and asked God to instantly heal this man that was paralyzed. But the man took Paul up uh, on the... Uh, uh, on this opportunity here, and so he jumps up in the air and immediately starts to walk. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think that would cause a stir in any city, amen? People start to talk. What in the world just happened? Look at what happened. I can't even believe that this man that has been lame his whole entire life is now jumping and walking and rejoicing and praising God. This is really, really something. So, Obviously, these sinful and pagan people didn't understand really what took place. So they did what sinful and pagan people so often do when they don't understand something. They made Paul and Barnabas a god. Amen? So that's what you do. If you can't figure something out, just make it a god and worship it. Amen? So then they started bringing sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas, and they're worshiping them and making sacrifices to them. Now, the average self-serving person might think that's pretty cool. Uh, like instant popularity, like everybody now thinks we're pretty cool and they want to worship us and everything. But Paul, of course, understood the dangers of that. And so they stopped them and they restrained them from doing that. And they said that we deserve no glory for this at all. We didn't do this, but the great God of heaven did this. And God deserves all the glory and the praise. Paul goes on and he says, in fact, the very reason why we came was to turn you away from this idol worship and worshiping of false gods, and to turn you to the true and living God. And so God did a great work here. Now, <clears throat> they were going to worship Paul. They were worshiping. They were bringing sacrifices to Paul, the Barnabas. Now we come into the verses that we started reading, and there was Jews that came, and boy, they followed Paul everywhere, so they tried to cause problems all the time. And so these Jews come to Lystra, and they stir up all the people, and they convince the people to take Paul out of the city, and to stone him and to kill him. So I don't know if you understand how crazy this is. But one day they're worshipping Paul as a god. 24 hours later they're killing him. Oh the fickleness of man huh. <coughs> Listen praise is only temporary. Someone's patting you on the back. Give it a day or two and they'll be kicking you behind. Amen. And so they decide then all of a sudden now that we got to kill Paul. And so they're stoning him and hitting him with stones, and now he's dead. They basically confirm, if you would, that he's dead. They walk back in the city. The disciples are all standing around him, no doubt praying, and God just raises Paul up from the dead. And Paul goes back into the city again, uh, and certainly that causes a great stir also. You know, when they were so fickle with Paul, I thought about this also. Jesus uh, rides on a donkey into Jerusalem. We would call it, many might call it, the Palm Sunday. And during that triumphal entry, people were crying out, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And then three days later, many of those voices that were still somewhat hoarse from crying Hosanna were saying, crucify him, crucify him. We'll not have this man to reign over us. Oh, the fickleness of man, right? 
And I want to say that this is a crazy and a mixed up world. I hope that you don't have all of your hope and uh, everything that you're looking forward to. I hope that you don't have it all anchored in this world because it's definitely a crazy world. Amen. I hope that you have the promise of God that are stable and sure beyond all the craziness of this world. And I hope then that you <coughs> understand that God helps us even in crazy times. Now, we live in a crazy world today. And I believe that it is, one, a crazy world that is becoming more and more crazy as we go forward. But as I look at the book of Acts and as we uh, just learn the truth from God's word, as we understand how God works, uh, I want to say it this way, and just to make it really connect or relate what we're talking to, a crazy world does not necessarily require complicated answers. In fact, the truth of the matter is, is that a crazy world simply needs the simple and clear answer that comes from God. Problems are many, but answers are really few. And when it comes to God, answer is singularly, and it is all found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what we must do then is to take that message and to get it out all around. So a church then, as we look to the book of Acts, we'll see then that a church must grow, it must reach people, and it must go forward even in crazy times. Now, as I preach this message, and I want to be transparent with you about this, this is one of those messages that really is kind of a preacher message, okay? So as you read through the Bible, as I read through the Bible, there are truths that is for everybody, how to be saved and how to pray and how to live for God and all of that. There's truths there in the Bible for everybody, for every person. But I understand also that there are many truths in the Bible that are more specifically for me because of the call of God upon my life that I'm supposed to take and to preach the unsearchable riches of God uh, and to help people to come in a closer walk or relationship with God. So I understand that those truths are for me. In fact, when we see in verse number 23, and we'll get to that in a moment and we'll look at it in a moment, it talks there about the elders of the church and how they, they, Paul and those leaders... Uh, ordained elders in the church, and these were spiritual men that were called by God. And so the, the spiritual man part of it is called elder. The, the office of it specifically is a pastor, if you would. The work is a pastor, and then the office is the office of a bishop or of an overseer. And so these were then to be pastors of these local churches. And so it was instruction for them specifically about the spreading of the gospel. But here's my point. I believe that every once in a while, a pastor, like maybe an old wise grandfather in a family, would kind of gather everyone together and say, let's talk about the bigger picture for just a moment, and let's talk about what we're supposed to be doing as a church. Now, as you come to church, you're looking for God to help you. You're looking to have help in your walk with God. You're looking to have help with your family and your home, uh, in your marriage or in parenting. You're looking to have help with fear and with struggles that you have in your life. No doubt some help with finances many times in your life. So you're looking for some answers. But I think that every once in a while we need to step back in more of the 30,000 foot view, if you would, and say, why is it, what is it that God has left us here to do? Amen? Now, certainly you come to church and you say, I want to have a better marriage. And I want to say, thank God, that's a very noble desire in your life. But let's understand that Gospel Light Baptist Church does not exist solely to help you to have a better marriage. Now that is an amazing byproduct. And thank God for that, amen? Yes. But that's not solely or singularly the reason why we're here. 
So I hope that you'll follow along. I hope you'll stay with us now because I think it's important and I think that every once in a while uh, the pastor needs to loop the people in on the bigger picture and what it is that God is trying to do. So let's look at that if we would. First off, we want to see, and this is super quick because we're going to get in the main points that are actually inside of your bulletin there. And that's where we'll kind of park and we'll spend some time. But as you look at it, as you read through the book of Acts, it talks here about the matter of the growth of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so Jesus gives to us the promise that he will build his church and that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the hope for the world today. Now, to say this carefully, Jesus is the hope for the world today. Uh, but we then are the ones that proclaim and carry that message out into all of the world. So the church then is the candlestick. It's what holds the light of the world. So Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We have that message and we're supposed to give that message and tell that message to everybody in the world. So we see the promise of God that God wants everyone to be saved. That Jesus said, I will build my church. And then when you look at the book of Acts, you will see then the accomplishment, the carrying out of that work that God says that he is going to do. And he does it through plain, ordinary people. Those who are saved, born again, they have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. We meet and we gather together as a church, and God encourages us through the church in order to do this work that God has for us to do. Now, there's some words, and I'll just summarize this this way. We see here uh, in verse number um, where we just read in verse number 21, it says that they preach the gospel. Again, we'll look at that in a moment. But in the book of Acts, you will see six times the word gospel. And so the gospel is an important word, and it is a, a theme and a message for the book of Acts in this matter of taking the gospel. We'll see in eight times that it talks specifically about taught or teaching or teaching the people, if you would, and confirming them and building them up. Uh, in Christ and building them up in the Lord. Some 38 times we'll see the word preach or preaching or that they preach. And so through the book of Acts, just very simply what we see is God's people through all these different local churches carrying out the work of the Great Commission. The message that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And that message then needs to go out to all of the world and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of Christ, must advance and it must go forward. So this is what God calls us to do and this is why God has left us here. So I want us to see this if we would and this is where you'll pick up and you'll write down, I believe, just four fill in the blanks and four simple words that you'll write down. What is the Bible plan, if you would, to spread the gospel? Now, in a crazy mixed up world, you say, boy, our people today, they need... Uh, they need a, a psychology, right? They need a psychologist. Boy, people today, they just need a, a dose of reality. People today, they need, and you could say that they need many different things, however you want to fill that in. Well, let's be honest and say the world that we live in today needs Jesus Christ. That's the answer, and that's the hope. Thank God for politicians. Thank God for those who love God, who are born again, and are trying to do the work of God, the truth of God, through local politics, statewide, nationally. Thank God for good Christian men and women who are trying to be faithful servants uh, in their community as a politician to try to bring us back to truth. Thank God for that. Thank God for every family that says, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. And I want to say thank God for that also. But the hope now of the world today is not simply to have better politicians. The hope for that world today is not going to be found in the White House. The hope for the world today is not going to be found simply in the Christian house, if you would, or in the Christian home, though that is a vital, vital part of the whole picture. But the hope for the world today is in the church house, specifically giving out the message of Jesus Christ. There's somebody who is very, very involved in politics, and they've come into church in that, and, uh, and we know them, and they have a, a very, um, um, they have a, a very passion about trying to see our country turn around. And this person has really invested a lot financially and time-wise in order to try to really straighten out some things that were wrong, fraudulent, politically, and all of that. And they've invested a lot of time. So I was talking to him about it specifically. And I was saying, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And we're talking about some specifics about what was happening. And here's kind of a little bit of progress that's been happening in some different fronts. But then this person looked straight at me and said to me, this person said, the hope for our state the hope for our country is not for us to get the politics figured out. The hope for our country is what you are doing right here at Gospel Light Baptist Church. Now listen, sometimes we lose sight of that. And sometimes we think, little old me, and what can we do? And I love our church, but it's not like our church is so huge. And it's not like our church is so big. But God's plan is not to have to work only through the biggest churches or only through the biggest groups of people. But God wants to take everyone, a smaller church, a medium-sized church, a larger church. And he says, I want you to make much of Jesus Christ. And I want you to preach Jesus Christ. And I want you to hold him high in your community. And I want you to understand that Jesus is the hope for the world today. Amen? Amen? Now, if that's so... If that's so, and it is, then that means that we have a part to do. Now, the reason why I love this passage here, because all through the book of Acts, it talks about the Great Commission and the carrying out and the fulfilling of the Great Commission. But I love this passage in these verses that we read because it really capsulizes it, it summarizes it, if you would. And I want us to grab four points out of this, if we would, so that we'll see it, and then just, in turn, take a look at those together. But in, in Acts chapter 14, in verse number 21, it says this, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, and so how is it that we deal with the craziness of the world? We do it by making sure that we are simple and clear with the hope that is given to us through Jesus Christ. There is a simple, clear message that the world needs. And we're talking in this year, and there's a theme that will kind of override in a lot of different things that we're doing, and it is this theme or a message of declare the gospel. And that is that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a message then that must be taken and it must be carried forth and it must be preached then to all people. I love this verse here, and I'll just point this out to us real quick, but in, here in Luke, and it's also strong in Matthew, where it tells about the parable of the sower. And so in Luke chapter 8, but in verse number 5, it says this. It says that the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and as it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And so there were different grounds, and four different grounds, as the seed was sown. Now, this is a very 
important and a powerful parable because it talks here about the growth of the kingdom. And so it tells us then that the sower went forth to sow the seed. And then we'll see in chapter 8 in verse number 11. So read this aloud with me if you would. Ready? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And so what we understand then is that we have the recorded message, which is the hope for all the world. The recorded message is that God loved us and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again, and that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved and we can go to heaven. And so that message is the most important message in the world. Now, we love this, and we'll say this verse often uh, during this, uh, this emphasis that we make. But in Romans chapter 1, in verse number 16, the Apostle Paul says that I'm not ashamed, I'm not embarrassed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so understand then that this seed that must be sowed into all the world is the message of the gospel. It is the word of God and it's the gospel message. And we understand then that this message is very powerful. And it is so powerful that it is a message that can save anyone. Man or woman, boy or girl, young or old, rich or poor, every different language and every different nationality of the world, every person can go to heaven, but every person is saved the same way, and that is through Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. But listen to me now, that message, as powerful as it is, is not effective if we don't get it out. So I want you to hold your place right where we're at, but in the book of Acts, I want you to turn back to Acts in chapter number 5. Acts in chapter number 5. In Acts chapter 5, I want us to see this, because the apostles were pulled before the council. And when they were brought and when they were pulled before the council, they were told then that you are not supposed to speak and you're not supposed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so then it comes down in verse number 28. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 28. And this is what they said. The high priest then asked them this question and said to them, saying... Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? It's the name of Jesus. And behold, you have done what now? Filled Jerusalem. Behold, you have filled Jerusalem, the Bible says, with, this, with your doctrine. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And so here's the thing that I want us to understand. Is that the gospel message is a simple and clear message that is an amazing, powerful message, but it is only an effective message if we get it outside of these four walls. The only way that it has a powerful effect on a community is if we take that message of the gospel and go out with it and tell everybody about it. And we love the book of Acts, and you could make so many, we could just stay there and go no place else. But one of the references is that persecutions arose in Jerusalem because of Jesus Christ and because of this message, people being saved. And so then it says, because of this persecution, that the disciples were spread abroad everywhere. They went out from Jerusalem like the spokes of a wheel, and they went out in every different direction. And it says this, that they went out everywhere preaching the gospel. 
And so everywhere they went, they took the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They told people of the love of God. They told them how that Jesus loved them and how that he died for their sins and how that he rose again. Now, wants to understand this simple, clear message. Listen, it doesn't get any deeper than this. It doesn't get any more sophisticated than this. It doesn't get any more deeper doctrinally or theologically than this. And that is that Jesus saves and he is the hope of all of the world. And that message then needs to be taken and it must be given out for all people to hear of the glorious salvation of Jesus Christ. Now here's the next one if you write this down. Then that we are to teach every believer. I said that this passage really kind of summarizes, it capsulizes the work that a church is supposed to do. And so in verse number 22 it says... Now, uh, and it says in verse number 21, I'm sorry, and they went everywhere, it says, preaching the gospel to that city. And then it says that they taught many, uh, and they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And so, and then in verse number 22, it says that they returned again, confirming the saints or strengthening them and building them up. And so we understand then that the gospel is a very powerful message to save. But then we understand also that the word of God is a very powerful message to transform the lives of believers. When someone believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> they're saved, their sins are forgiven, and they're going to heaven. But just because they believe on Jesus Christ doesn't make them spiritual, spiritual-minded. It doesn't mean that they automatically have victory over all of these different sins in their life. What happens is, is that they must be then brought in and to come under the word of God. To hear the teaching and the preaching of God's word. And to hear God's word given out day by day and week after week. To help them then to grow in the Lord. The great commission in Matthew 28 in verse 18, 19 and 20 it says. And Jesus spake unto them saying. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Show them, tell them the gospel that they need to be saved. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so we then are supposed to give out the gospel to see people saved. Listen to me now. And then after people are saved, we need to gather people in to be under the word of God. I know this is really an old-fashioned idea, but people still need to go to the church house. Amen. They do. And I say that kind of jokingly because for a number of years, there's been a great decline as far as church attendance. There has been a great number of churches that have simply closed their doors and are no longer in existence. They're no longer operating as the Lord's local church. But at the same time, there are many churches that are still going forward, but there's a declining attendance. People uh, are busy. They've got things to do. They uh, know enough about the Bible already, and they know enough about Christianity that I don't really need to go to church. And yet I want you to understand that going to church is just as important uh, as it ever was before. Jesus tells us, God tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. There will always be those that will make an excuse about why they don't need to go to church. But I want you to understand that we do need to be in church and we need to be under the word of God. God says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we are under the word of God, we will grow in the Lord. 
Now, I believe that you should read your Bible. I believe that you should study your Bible. But I believe also you should be under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. So let me just say something to all of the Sunday school teachers, all the group teachers that are here. Let's just decide that in 2022, listen to me now. Let's just decide in 2022, my class is going to grow for the glory of God, period. Amen? My class is going to grow for the glory of God, period. That's all there is. Because we know that it's God's will for people to be saved. And we know that it's God's will for people to be under the word of God where they can be growing in the Lord. And that's what God desires then for every person. He wants us to, to be under the word of God, to be growing in the Lord. So it says then that they taught those people that got saved. Then it says that they confirmed it or they built upon that foundation as they continued to grow in the Lord. Now, let me, let me just help you out with this. It's so important for us, it's so important for us to be saved, so important for us <coughs> to, to be taught and be growing the Lord. And it's so important for us to be serving God. Now, for those people who don't go to church anymore because they feel like they know enough, let me give to you a revelation very likely about their life. One of the reasons why they believe that they know enough is because they are not actively serving God. Because you only think that you know something about the Bible until you start ministering to other people from the Bible. And then you figure out real quick, you don't know nearly as much as you thought you did. Amen? I tell them in our Bible Institute, I said, listen, I said, as you're here, under the, as you're here being taught year one, year two, year three, year four, you're, you're getting to know the Bible more and more, and you think you have the answers. I want to promise you that not only do you not know the answers, you don't even know the questions, because the questions arise as you serve God. So then we start to confirm people as they are serving. Let me tell you, people who are really hungry, Listen to me now. Let me tell you people who are really hungry in the preach, under the preaching of the word of God. People that are just saved and they have a youthful zeal in Christ. They're babes in Christ. They're just saved and they're excited. That's one category. Here's the second one. You ready? People who are serving God actively. Those are the singular, the two groups that soak up the preaching of the word of God. Because they just got saved or they're serving God actively, and they understand how much more they need to know God in their life. Amen? That's a pretty good thing. That's why you continue to confirm and you continue to build on the foundation. Amen? Uh, when you go to kindergarten, what comes next? When you go to first grade, what comes next? When you complete uh, second grade, what comes next? Uh, these are amazing principles. Amen? We should try it like in our schools and that. I mean, to actually complete, you know, required amount of work in order to advance on to the next grade. You know, old-fashioned old -fashioned principles like that. But you know what happens is, is that you continue to learn and build on, on foundations that have already been laid. And that's what happens in the Christian life. Real quickly then, we need to endure tribulations. I didn't leave enough time for this. But let me assure you that it's not possible for us to be a born-again believer in a sin-cursed world and not have persecutions that come along the way. They just simply will. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 10, it says this. If you follow along, it says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us uh, unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, 
strengthen, and settle you. So I want you to understand that tribulations will come. Tribulations will come in our life. And God allows those tribulations and difficulties to come to make us more like Jesus Christ. To mature us and to cause us to grow up in the Lord. To cause us to be more established and more strong in the Christian faith. To cause us to be, to be growing in the Christian faith. To be stronger in Christ. And to cause us to be more settled on what it is that we believe. Uh, and not to be tossed back and forth in the Christian life as we go forward. And the last one is this. And this is something that uh, I just want us, all I want to do is to throw this out here and I want us to pray about this. But look if you would at Acts chapter 14. The reason why the gospel went forward and again so much and it grew so uh, aggressively, so supernaturally. The reason why the gospel spread in such a supernatural way is because they got a hold of these four simple but vitally important things. In verse number 21, it says that they preached the gospel. And then in verse number 2, it says that they taught, that they taught every believer, that they taught much people. Then it tells us now, in verse number 22, it says that they exhorted them to continue in the faith, that we must through much tribulation, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So they were supposed to preach the gospel. They're supposed to teach every believer. They're supposed to endure tribulations and endure hardships and difficulties that came their way. And then in verse number 23, it says this. And when they had ordained elders in every church, they prayed with fasting and they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. What happened was is they won people to Christ. They gathered them together, they baptized them, they taught them the word of God, and they started more churches. Listen, we live in a day and an age in which we must get the gospel out. But in order to be able to continue to do that in a greater and greater way, we must have more soul-winning, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. We must have more churches. Hi, this is Brent Lenentine, and before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.com. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you were listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. 
If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.